Thank you very much, Katie. Don't run away too far. Uh, <laughs> there may be some questions for you. Um, certainly, I, I was very uh, uh, enheartened, really, by, by the response that you're reporting from the work that you've done. When, when I uh, set out in 2000 on my original research into clinical audit and attitudes, um, we really had to start by explaining what it was, no, nobody, and then finding out what, what people's response to that was in terms of attitudes. So the fact that I suppose you were a little surprised that one third of your respondents hadn't heard of clinical audit, I was surprised and delighted that now, 15 years on, two thirds had heard of it. I think that's positive. I think there's perhaps a problem with the terminology, isn't there? Audit, audit sort of has a, a negative connotation. It sounds like something that accountants do. It sounds like a bit sort of big brothery, uh, looking over your shoulder. Um, I, th I think that all vets sign up to what con are concerned about quality of care. Um, all vets are concerned about continual improvement and sign up to that as a concept. And that really is what clinical audit's all about, isn't it? It's about continual improvement in the quality of care that we, we provide. And um, it's heartening, I think, that, that things are moving forward, awareness is improving, and, and, and the response generally has been as, as positive as, as you described. Uh, so that there's hope yet. And also, indeed, we are actively looking at um, a hub within uh, veterinary evidence for uh, clinical audit. So uh, hopefully that's something we can rope you in and get you to, to help out with, because um, uh, I think we, we, we do see clinical audit as being a, uh, an important part of actually embedding evidence-based veterinary medicine into practice, which... I could give a quick plug is something I'll be talking about at four o'clock this afternoon and the, the one fear that all speakers have is talking to an empty room so uh, uh, you are the converted here I presume I'd love to see some of you at four o'clock this afternoon talking about embedding uh, uh, EBVM into practice via clinical audit so um, are there any questions that anybody would like to uh, ask Katie we have one in the middle here does anybody else wave your hand around and then we'll sort of get um, a yeah and one after that, just further along. That was brilliant, Katie. Thank you very much. Um, I'm going to ask a question that really reflects my ignorance because we don't have audit in the U.S. that I know of, um, and I just learned about it through you guys. But I, I guess I'm curious about the firewall between audit and research, particularly when you're doing an outcomes audit. Because, And maybe I just don't understand what's going on, but it seems to me that if you're uh, if, if you identify, hey, we want to look at outcomes because we don't have much evidence, then you're essentially conducting an observational cohort study. And so it seems like an awful lot of work to call not research. Um, so I'm a bit curious about why that was firewalled off on your slide. Shouldn't that be stuff that we would be interested in as maybe helping us to learn more? Do you mean looking at outcomes specifically? As a right, so you're auditing, I don't know, the um, treatment of yeastotitis in dogs, right? Uh, everybody does their own thing, um, and then you say, everybody, right, let's record cases, see what we used, and which ones did better, right? I'm, I think I'm understanding the process correctly. Yeah. Um, so how is that not research if we're a busy practice and we all find out that using you know, otitis drug number one uh, works a bit better for clients and patients in terms of what are our outcomes that we um, assess. In, in fact, that information is quite hard to find if you look at the literature or even at the labels. So isn't that useful research? 
So the difference between order yeah. and research. Yeah, so that's a, almost a perfect example of how the two get very blurred together. So there's talk about clinical audit, or, or clinical audit and clinical research are different, and there are things that make them very different. So research requires um, a very vigorous methodology. Um, you need to make sure you've got statistical significance. Um, you need to be able to repeat it. Um, so there's lots of things that, and it's uh, yeah, finding out sort of the best way to, to do things. Audit should be no more than just looking at what you're doing and sort of look at only the normal management that you would do for a clinical case. So it shouldn't be, I'm going to choose to give this dog this thing, and then I'm going to choose to give something else, something different. But if you do an outcome audit and you say, oh, well, I use this and you use that and this one looks to be much better, I think that's where it becomes a bit blurry. And I think the results of some audits potentially could be used as sort of research or evidence um, sources because we have such a lack of, of, of evidence. So if a big research had already been done on that area that you were auditing, you would just compare your findings to that research study and say, oh, they got slightly better than us, or, or we did slightly better than them, and, and we know that we're doing okay. But when that evidence doesn't exist, you are stuck in this funny world of, um, is this audit or is this research? It's really important when you set out to do something that you are clear as to whether you're doing audit and whether you're doing research. And part of that comes from the ethical consideration. So you shouldn't, like I said before, you shouldn't be using audit as a way to, I don't know, either sort of sneak past the ethical approval of something um, or to, you know, thinking, oh, we'll just do a little audit and then I'm going to publish it because it, it would have needed ethical consideration before. But I think certainly if you do an outcome audit and you say, we've done this outcome audit and we've got these things and it looks like this is the best treatment certainly people might then use that as oh actually they've done this and and this you know piece of research but they're very there's a lot of confusion between them and I think part of that comes down to the definitions but because you end up with this very blurry place where actually doing audit almost is sort of doing research because it's not been done before so I think you need to be very clear about what you've done where you've started and the results that you've got because yes certainly you might find in your practice that one treatment is better than the other but is that is that then repeatable you know would that be true in the practice next door so I don't think it's a it's not a simple case of, of black and white. Um, there is a, a very kind of blurry line, but I think when you're doing audit in practice, you need to be clear at the outset what you're intending to do um, and then what you're intending to do with those results. I'd add two things to that. One is that I think you probably do do clinical audit in America. Uh, you just don't call it clinical audit. We tend to use the term because it's, it is widely used in the medical profession in the UK where we have the NHS as a, as a single uh, pretty much a single employer. Uh, I think it, having been to AVMA and so on, I think you tend to call it things like continual improvement in quality of care ra rather than clinical audit, but the essence is the same. But I agree with everything that's been said, but I, th I think it's summed up in that research is about establishing what best practice is, and audit is about embedding best practice into our day-to-day -day work. So that it's a management tool rather than a research tool. Um, but we can talk about that perhaps afterwards uh, during the break if you're interested in um, talking about it some more. Thanks very much, Katie. That was great. Um, my question was also about research and audit because I think that's actually really important and that's great. Um, 
So, so uh, Connie's uh, I've got the question that I was going to ask, so my next question then would be, um, give, given that there's this confusion between research and audit, um, how do we best communicate this to the, to the profession? You know, how do we do that? How do we make sure that everybody's clear about this stuff? I think really just in the guidance that's available, um, probably about clinical audit and about research, and I think probably there isn't enough really about either of those at a level where you want to do something in practice and you need to go and find out either how to do it or which of audit or research you're about to attempt. So I think it's about making it more, uh, sort of making it a lot easier for people to access resources that very simply set out which is which and where they stand. Because I think the other thing that's really important to consider um, is the, the kind of ethical consideration about audit and research. And there's things that have been published and they're called audit in the title and then they admit that they're research in, in the study and have these things then had ethical approval. And so it does all get a little bit uh, complicated, but I think there needs to be better resources where people can go when they want to conduct audit to make sure that they are doing audit and that they're not doing research. Um, and Or actually, if they're interested in doing research in practice, I think also there's a bit of a, a lack of resources for people that are wanting to, to do research in practice. Because actually, if you have worked in practice for your whole career and you haven't done a master's or a PhD or you, you don't have that, that knowledge, that's not something that you necessarily get taught a lot about at vet school. So just having that support um, and having those resources sort of easily accessible is, um, I think, probably the way that we can help people that are keen to do this stuff. I think it's more than just semantics. It is important. I think I've got a slide on it this, this afternoon, actually. Uh, I think I've left it in my talk this afternoon because it reflects both ways. I think that... Uh, if you use a piece of audit as and claim it's practice-based research, then that kind of reflects badly on research. It just looks like poor practice-based research. And if you embark on an audit and you think that you have to have the rigour of a piece of clinical research in order to do it, then that actually puts a lot of people off then completing their audits. So they are different, and, and there may be an area of overlap but it's really important to understand the differences because otherwise it, it has negative connotations in both contexts. Are there any questions? Katie, again, congratulations. It was an excellent presentation. Um, I've been through in the pharmaceutical world no end of different types of audit, everything from compliance auditing, financial auditing, and so on. Um, and you quite rightly pointed to the length of time involved as being one of the critical things that people responded to. The length of time involved is usually a component of the compilation, documentation, and most importantly, the ability to interrogate what is there in order to compile your audit. In the work you've been doing, have you been able to form any sort of, a, what am I looking for, assessment or judgment on the standard of documentation of outcomes within agricultural practice? It's quite, you know, we have quite heavily coded concepts now operating within the small animal world. Do you find a degree of standardization becoming more accepted in the livestock world such that you could go in and these people doing audits can say, I have got data, I can easily pull up to compare? So we conducted uh, retrospective clinical audits in the three practices that I've been working with. So 
basically I went to the practices to see what information existed on the topic that they'd chosen to audit to see whether that was possible to audit based on the information that already existed. And the information that was available varied hugely even just between the three practices that we were working with. So with regards to what information was available on the practice management software, what other kind of information was um, was in the practice. So we found some really good uh, paper-based fertility records that were being used purely for billing purposes that actually we could do quite a good retrospective clinical audit on. Um, and then there's obviously information that exists in other places such as vets diaries or, or the day book and things. So I think farm animal practice probably has... Um, maybe a little way to go with respect to just being able to go and do a clinical audit based on information that already exists and probably is a bit behind small animal practice in that respect. Um, it's hard to kind of say for definite because obviously we've only done that in three practices, um, but certainly I think the information varies varies a lot more and, and I guess part of that is to do with the in small animal practice you're at a computer and you're writing the notes as you go along um, and, and in farm animal practice it's slightly different but I think the information that's collected within a farm practice will vary massively and that depends on the practice um, but also the individual veterinary surgeons so some vets that will record lots and lots of information then other vets that record less so the ability to go and just do audit on information that already exists in farm practices I think varied and I think if people want to do a retrospective clinical audit in farm practice you almost need to go and look at what information you've got before you get down the road of deciding I'm going to do this topic and I'm going to do it retrospectively because you'll probably find that you've not quite got the information that you need to be able to do that. Which goes back to the whole issue of coding of, of data which I think is a, again a very very interesting one and I know that Compass uh, project's been very involved with that mm -hmm. on the small animal side. So it's, it's been a really interesting talk, a really interesting discussion. Thank you, uh, thank Katie, you. and thank you for everyone for joining in. Uh, we'll take a break for coffee now. I'm back at 11. Thank you.